All right, sorry, we cut out, but we are back. And to remind everyone what happened many, many moons ago at the beginning of the championships was the mixed gender 4x4, and it seemed like the Netherlands had it on lock when Femme Cabal had an unfortunate incident just meters before the finish line, falling down unimpeded, and the U.S. comes by, takes the gold, and the Netherlands does not. And it was dramatic. It was unfortunate. The pictures were everywhere. Fast forward. I was going to say, I know you're about to segue into tonight, but what if you were just like, and now we're going to cover <laughs> every final <laughs> of the now. next nine days. <laughs> and then you do something like this and totally redeem yourself because Dude. in addition to the gold medal and the 400-meter hurdles, Fem Cabal ran a heroic leg tonight on the women's four by four Can to I be cap honest? off everything. Can I be honest? No. no. I I know everyone's gonna be like, ah, get this patriotic girl out of here, but I was like, dang, Team USA isn't running. I kinda don't know if I wanna watch this. No. <laughs> Literally telling everybody, I'm like, I think I should just head back over to the suite so I could get ready for the show. When I tell you, Femke, I'm so glad I stayed to watch that because she is the true definition of a competitor. The girl literally went from third place, and it was probably about a 15 to 20 a meter distance. lead. It was a good distance. And I mean, in a 400, that's an atrocious trying to chase somebody down. Like, disgusting. And it came down to what? Like, the she just starts eating them up. Because at first, it was Jamaica and Great Britain kind of battling it battling. out. It was their show for a while. But then you hand off that baton to Femke. She's in third, and she just starts reeling it in. She's like, all right. Let me go do some work. Slight work. I got to go get another medal because y'all robbed me of my medal. So Not just a medal. She's like, I want a gold. I'm gold. getting gold. Like, that she was the safest bronze gold. in the world. And she just, she sent it. And, it, like, especially, like, Femke's got her medals. Like, she's, you know... She's, doing it. She was not content, clearly, because she said, uh-uh, I'm trying to go home with two since I couldn't take back three. Well, and more than that, she's trying to make sure her teammates go home with two. And yes. not like, I, you know, we know Femke very well, obviously. She was with us at uh, New Balance Indoor Grand Prix, friend of the pod. She's, you know, basically Kyle's best friend at this point. She's family. But, <laughs> yeah. But she does, she does seem like someone who is really, you know, she's so talented. She's been such a superstar for so long. But she's someone who really cares about the team and and putting Netherlands on the map as an international factor in track and field. You know, she runs the prelims. She, you know, doubles if she has to double. And and like clearly that meant so much to her. You know, I, I mean, so I hope someone asked her in the mix zone, like, which meant more to you, like the doing the relay or doing the 400 hurdles, because it, it seems to me like, at least from the emotions on her face at the end of that race, like that was everything. Yeah. To her. Well, I mean, think of, the leaky clover standing next to her, her girl got her back. backing her up, hey. backing her up, and she said, "I got you. I got the gold." But the it's so perfect. The only man who I think could come up with a script this good would have been <laughs> Vince McMahon, <laughs> because if you think about it, Femka's error the first time around the woman who capitalized on it was Alexis. And then Alexis was involved in the unfortunate handoff error in the prelims. And then Femka is the one who capitalizes it in the final. And that is the first and the last event of a nine-day championship. It was a, it was like an Eddie Murphy movie trading places. That's actually so true. I didn't even think about it. Truth is stranger Into than fiction. that way. And I'm, I don't know who got that storyline and who needs to make a little redemption movie, a little snippet. But that needs to be put out there because what a way to end the championship. You come in something that you probably never really imagined to happen to you with the fall and to come back. And I mean, she snagged that gold within the last five to 10 meters. But you saw it coming. Yes. Right? It was like... At 50 meters left, you're like, could she go get her? And you're like, oh, she, so, she's going to go get her. Here's, oh, she's got it. Here's what I want. The only way to make this story more perfectly dramatic and scripted is, I don't know if she'll be anchoring, but I want Alexis Holmes on that 
women's four by four in Paris next year. Mm. And I want a legitimate head to head, whether it's Femke and Sydney or, you know, Femke and Britain, whoever it is like nobody falls, nobody gets DQ'd, just sending it in that women's four by four at the Paris Olympics. That's, that's like the, the rubber match that we need at this point. Well, now the question is, is this a rivalry? <laughs> you know what? I think that it should be a rivalry. I a just very fun, it. friendly, like very fun, friendly rivalry that I think that they can have that we would just enjoy seeing that battle go back and forth. And I'll just say, I mean, you know, Chris is not here to be like Mr. America. <laughs> Kaylin's not here to stick up for the University of Kentucky. Kyle's here, Stan and Femke over here. So as a uh, in-law Kentucky fan, I'll say, go Cats, baby. Alexis has taken this <laughs> to the, I don't even know, to the ground, to the match, to the mat. That's the word. To the fucking top of the podium. Sorry. Are we the end. I mean, it was, it was awesome. It was a great way to, to finish things off. Sad, as Jasmine said, to not have the U.S. in it, but... What a great race. I think that that was a great was finale. Perfect. And we were talking a little bit about it before it happened where we're like, is the 4x4 really the best best event to finish the meet off with? You know, is the 4x1, would that be a little bit better? Would that? There's always drama in the 4x1. But I do think at this championships, the 4x4 came through. Oh, absolutely. I am so happy that I stayed and watched, man. The Redemka. You needed to have it happen. <laughs> um, and then, you know, right before that, we did have the men. We Spe- had the speaking men, of uh, hurdles and redemption. Oh, oh, my goodness. I was so happy to see Rye on there. And I was actually, I think I might have mentioned maybe he might be on a four by four. Who knows? Maybe I just spoke it into existence because, boy, did we need – I mean, we didn't really need him, to be honest. It was a USA show. Let me, let's be real. It was a USA show in that race, but it's so good to see Rye. He killed that leg. Jasmine, you weren't on the broadcast this morning for the marathon, but we decided, um, whether or not it's true or not, that we are way more influential than we thought we were. <laughs> because when Max says things, World Athletics does them. When you say things, Team USA changes up the Happens. relay order. So I think – we're just deciding all of these things, whether it's, you know, our spiritual influence, the energy we're putting out, or like, you don't know. We're like, maybe really, we, ju- just, maybe we just can't tell you that like, we're like texting with the relay coaches on the side saying like, this is what you're going to do. <laughs> this uh, is what you should really do. Listen to us. If you Noah Lyles is listening, you don't know who else may be as well. No, that is such a fact. So I was squinting from up top trying to figure out who was our anchor. I couldn't even <laughs> tell it was Rye Benjamin because I didn't see the headband. And then I remember he told us that he gave it away. Wait, he gave it away? Yeah. So after oh. the 400 hurdles. So that was a headbandless Rye. I just love that Nike yeah. is so stingy with him. Like one of their biggest athletes. They're not just like, we're going to ship a crate of headbands. He, he, he purposely <laughs> uses one. And he and he gave it away. He's just bad at packing. It's kind of like how I didn't bring enough like t-shirts with me. Oh, it's the opposite. (laughs) I was gonna say. (laughs) All right. I brought forty-five t-shirts and two pairs of shorts, so (laughs) I understand being bad at packing. So I mean, I think the amount of men that could have been subbed in or out on the four by four. We probably had many paths to victory, but it was nice to see Vernon out there and get a relay oh, goal, so something he's that. done before. But, you know, Vernon had a great championships, just came up short in that open four, mm-hmm. ran a great leg, secured. Secured. I love to see it. USA, USA. Go Team USA. And we were, we've were we been talking a lot about Rise, you know, flat 400 potential. Yes. 4402. That's a pretty good split. That's a pretty good split to the end of uh, – it, it, it's the second leg, so it's not a legit split. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's – so rise, rise split was a legit split, the anchor leg. And, and 44.02, you know, especially after long weekend of racing, you know, we talked about the, the health training struggles he's had this season. Um, frankly, he wasn't even challenged, too. They had, a, like, a pretty solid lead going into that last chilling. leg. So. I mean, he wasn't chilling, but, like – he was chilling. He wasn't being pushed. And so for him to get out there and run that fast, I 
can't hope to wonder if he'd go low 43 in an open four. I would love to see it. And then France comes through. They were celebrating. We had this similar situation yesterday where it was like Italy. Who won here? But <laughs> today France comes in second, beating GB, going wild, national record. It, it is just one of those situations where, you know, barring disaster, lining up, looking at the men that the U.S. is throwing on the team. In many situations, second might have been the best case scenario for them, and they were celebrating like it. Good to see. Love the enthusiasm. Go out on a high note. I will say, so we're, we're all positive all the time on this, um, you know, But no broadcast more second for, place celebration. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's an issue with the in-stadium uh, the jumbotrons, which have been great. They've been really good, really informative. They've been able to show the field events to both sides. Um, you know, it's overall like 99.9% good. The one thing I'm missing is like there needs to be, someone needs to be like, if there's like a team freaking out on the infield, someone needs to like real quick, like throw it up on the screen of like what they just did because like the little NR and like, you know, it, like it, if, it, if they didn't win, you know, like if it's like a fourth place team, but they're freaking out because they just set their, they just national broke their 35 year old yeah. national record. Like throw that on there. So I don't have to be like, why are they, are, celebrating are they happy? So <laughs> like what's going on down there? <laughs> you know, high jump had lots of attention tonight. Oh my goodness. The last okay, Jasmine guys. Todd field report. Let me tell you. I know Kyle doesn't want me looking at my phone for like notes and stuff no, like that. that but you're allowed. It, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at some notes because I'm excited these to girls see your pronunciation pronunciation skills. This is Yara this Slava, is just Team USA relay orders. This isn't notes. <laughs> was, that, was that good enough? Yeah, you know better than me. <laughs> but she comes out with gold. I mean, she's from Ukraine and. Of course, with all the things that are going on in Ukraine right now, every medal they get is super celebrated by so many, more than just them, every country that's in support of Ukraine. She went 201. Now, at first, you like think 201, you're like, oh, okay, no big deal, it's fine. But that's six feet, seven inches. Just in case y'all don't know how tall that is, if you watch basketball, she's jumping over Carmelo Anthony. Okay. What year are we watching basketball in? I don't know. I mean, wow. I have to go to like We're being positive, the most Kyle. notable, the most notable. Okay. But she got, this is, this is huge for her. She had silver last year um, in Eugene. She's Tokyo bronze medalist and her PB is 206. And in case you want to know, that's jumping over LeBron James. And she's. 21 years old. Like, like LeBron's and that much taller than Carmelo? Yeah. <laughs> That's my yes. takeaway. LeBron is 6'9". Nice. Tall freaking nature. <laughs> but then, too bad we don't have Mitch here today because Mitch would probably be hooting and hollering. He'd can anyone, can any right either of you do a good Australian accent? I'm not brave Absolutely enough to not. try. I don't, I don't want to get attacked by Australian Twitter because they're watching us. Cracker Fosters for the high jumpers in the... We, <laughs> we, don't, we don't know him. Uh, <laughs> we don't know this guy. Get him out of here. But Australia came out with second and third, silver and bronze. I mean, I think who, why wouldn't you be proud to be an Australian right now? Like, they had a phenomenal championship. Proud to be an Australian. <laughs> <laughs> so Eleanor Patterson with silver and then Nicola, I cannot say her last name, so I'm not even going to attempt it. It starts with an O. Alice Loggers. Alice Loggers. Okay, I didn't want to. I almost cussed. I don't even want to mess it up. And no. then y'all be like, damn, Jasmine, go go back to English class. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. But um, and then I just want to do a quick little honorary mention of Morgan Lake from Great Britain. She has been going through struggles and she battled hard for that fourth place position. Huge shout out to her. Let's move on to Jav. Before oh, we move on. No? You want to keep going? We have oh. I just wanted to ask you. Yes. Um, and again. This is the final show. We want to be positive. We want to celebrate. I, I want to see our girl Vashti finally. Vashti. Vashti. Um, see, we can all fuck up the see, pronunciation. Fuck up. It's fine. Um, <laughs> finally get that the really great performance at an outdoor championship. She's done well indoors. She is like undefeatable 
in U.S. championships, but she's really struggled outdoors. What do you do? You have a sense of like, is it a mental block? I don't even think it's a mental block. It's just honestly, the U.S. is not as strong in the high jump, uh, which is why she's able to be so dominant. I would love to see USATF give more support to the high jump on both men and women because that's the biggest battle with them. They don't have enough resources. They don't have funding. And so when the way that obviously we work in our federation, if you're not tiered, then you're not getting resources. And Vashti is the only tiered athlete out of all of them. I mean, she had a great... Not Javon? Oh, I mean, on the woman's side. Oh, on the woman's Sorry, side. Sorry, on yeah. the woman's side. Um, out of the woman, she's the only tiered um, female. And so... Unfortunately, that's just kind of what it is. But overall, internationally, globally, everyone's just really good at high jump. U.S. isn't super dominant, but I would love to see Vashti come out with another medal. She's medaled before. Yeah, she medaled in 2019. Yeah. I would love to see her have another one of those performances. And I know that she has her contract and stuff like that, but I, I can't help but wonder if we did have more funding over in the high jump if we would see a better development for those women. All right. Seems like some folks have their marching orders out there. <laughs> I, I found myself rooting for the tie after speaking with Katie the other day. Now I'm like, let's Everyone should tie and everything. <laughs> now over. I'm like, let's, let's, it's beautiful. Oh, yeah, I guess another thing to mention is that both Australians actually jumped 199. It's just that one of them cleared it on the first attempt. The second cleared it on their second. So... That's how they both ended. I mean, both going 1.99 meters, silver and bronze. And I also think it's worth noting, uh, you know, and we'll, we'll get to this when you, you talk about the javelin too, but the the program tonight especially, but even throughout the entire championships has done a fantastic job of giving the field events space to capture the audience's attention, to, to be front and center stage and not like something that's happening also while the 5K is going on. And like energy of this crowd being harnessed to these events that like don't always get that like center spotlight has been such a like one of the best parts of of this stadium experience and for the, sure. the thing i'm curious about because we are in the stadium and not watching the nbc broadcast and maybe our friends in the chat can let us know how that was going i wonder if that energy was captured in the tv broadcast where was, was the field events as big of a part of their experience watching at home as it was for the in-stadium crowd because that is, I think, one of the biggest takeaways that a lot of people have had yes. is how incredible it was to be a field athlete here to finally not feel like a second-class athlete who is being pushed off to in-between but actually getting front and center, lights on, claps going, oh, and people following and understanding the story. I actually would love to know. So if you can tell us how that coverage is going or went, in the chat because a lot of times we don't even get the coverage on tv you'll see the last person who threw uh, well the person who got first sorry their last attempt you'll see their last attempt you might see top three sometimes you won't even see top three and sometimes they just kind of show the favorite no matter how they did they might not even make finals so i do want to know how the coverage was on that end and i hope it was great because the way that it played out in the stadium, I really hope that it reflects on the TV as well because they did a phenomenal job. So moving to the javelin, India is an ongoing country. Like I have this relationship with India in which I support them so, so much because of the billion diehard sports fans there and knowing that the potential beast that we can unlock. Yeah. And in the four by four, I believe is, they finished. Is this a relationship or are you just like sliding into India's DMs? Yeah, just I, like I would like casually. them to slide into my DMs. Hey, hey you up. <laughs> I would like them to subscribe to the lap count. And so I think India finished fifth in the four by four after setting the Asian record in the prelims. And then we go to the javelin and really this whole perspective of mine and many others developed with Niraj Chopra winning the Olympic gold and he inspired a nation. And now we are seeing the benefit of that. And he upgraded his world medal because he got silver last year in Eugene. Exactly. So he goes and gets, you know, he, he wins the Olympics. He comes and finishes in second place last year. So they don't get a buy, 
But the thing that's interesting is that not only does Niraj Chopra win tonight in 88-17, but they finish in fifth and sixth with two young yes. fellow countrymen. And apparently, I believe there is a fourth Indian athlete that like had Chopra won last year that would have qualified as well. Wow. So like that is the impact hey. of one guy showing up Crushing it in Tokyo. Now, two years later, we have first, fifth, and sixth, and a theoretical fourth athlete who maybe in 2025, now that India is getting the bye, that can show up and do some damage. Calling now, 2025, India sweep, uh, place the bets. Something, though, that is really interesting because I was reading, I was deep on the internet. Shout out to Wikipedia. Have you used Wikipedia? Because they I, are quick at Ever updating. heard of Wikipedia? Yeah. So the thing you about... Know, <laughs> They, they were really quick at updating just like medalists and stuff like that and getting, I know it's not always accurate, but getting information. Cause I mean, world athletics was kind of down because all the traffic. So shout out to them for keeping us updated. Did I donate $3 to Wikipedia seven years ago? And do they email me every other week for another three bucks? Yes. 100%. And I know that there's a few other people that that is happening. To. That, oh, so I, I tweeted this last night, but literally during the pole vault final last night, Mondo's Wikipedia page was updated with 2023 world champion before he was done jumping. <laughs> when he that clinched so the title and was still going, they're like, somebody was, was I don't know if it's page. AI or just like nerds. Um, I once played a prank on a teammate with a Wikipedia page and I changed his weight to a number that he is not. <laughs> And then told people that he changes it throughout the course of the season. And he did not appreciate that joke at all. That every um, time he steps on the scale, he updated his own Wikipedia page. just as like a little prank. And so <laughs> he did not like that joke. So my. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> but it's a good joke. It's objectively a funny joke. I think you, I think it'd be funnier if you change his height to like five two. <laughs> he gets shorter an inch yeah. every month. Um, so I I did uh, my my better half uh, was at home in Boston watching the uh, Peacock broadcast. So I just asked him uh, how they did. Uh, so I will read our, our report from from Boston. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 it was it's fine. Um, it was pretty standard with the cutting back and forth during other events or giving a summary during dead time. I feel like they did a good job of the critical bits like Rojas's final jump and the build up to that and the last bit of the pole vault. So all right, we got storyline. It seems like they're yeah, they're doing a pretty good job. And yes. yeah, and there is dedicated streaming yeah. broadcast as well. But it is, and I think it's more less about the broadcast or the stadium. I think it's they they did a good job of the schedule yeah. of allowing those sort of little gaps there and sort of anticipating where there would be moments for the field eventers to shine. I and, just want to say shout out to Rat Naraj because also he's a Capricorn. He was born December twenty fourth. <laughs> That's <laughs> okay, so, that's all. <laughs> so Mac is losing so his mind. And then, over and, it. and then one last story on the whole Indian javelin revolution is fifth placer Kishore Jenna what had visa issues. Just like oh. last year with Ferdinand Omanyala was having some sort of visa issues and couldn't get it resolved. So Chopra tweeted about it. Got a ton of attention on it. <laughs> solved. Wow. Well, and That's interesting. So Chopra, Max's gonna, his head's gonna explode if we don't talk about the actual event. But um, in the second round, he threw eighty-eight seventeen, um, just short of his own season's best, which he set in the first round of of throwing. Um, and he didn't quite, he, he didn't quite like totally run away with it. There was other guys, um, uh, Jacob Valdich um, from Croatia. He Yes, and, uh, got bronze. He got bronze, and then the the Pakistani Arshad athlete. Arshad Nadim. Um, it, it's nice to see, like, Chopra being dominant, but not so dominant that there's not that question there. Like going into that final round, there like somebody could have taken that one. Um, he's he's undefeated in 2023. He hasn't competed that much, um, but it's certainly it's safe to say he's the favorite headed into Paris. He's not the overwhelming favorite. I don't know where I don't know what, how DraftKings feels about the the javelin betting odds uh, early going into next year, but that definitely makes the event exciting to be like. There's this guy we like and root for, and he's good and he's you know exciting, but like he's not a lock. And then the most exciting part of the javelin, in addition to us 
giving the most attention that we've ever given to the javelin. So shout out to World Athletics for that schedule because we're paying attention. The official could have given the javelin a little bit more room to land. That dude oh, oh, was gosh. on I was terrified of the javelin every se- It's like it sticks in the ground. You don't have to be four inches away from it. Yeah, I was terrified watching that. It was very scary. What? Because- the bravest guy in the stadium or stupidest guy in the stadium? A little of both. <laughs> a little insanity. But overall, I guess I, want, I just got to say, like, shout out to Asia overall <laughs> Shout out to Asia. To sound Asia. off in the comments like they i mean they really came out and oh they did a great job in the javelin today. this whole this whole weekend you know uh uh asia they set the asian record in the four by four the indian team um obania in the pole vault set the asian record he's from the philippines um it's so great to see a truly you know it used to be like the javelin was just like a rotating cast of like four different German guys all throwing against each other for the medals and like creating this, this space for new countries to thrive and compete on this level is like, so a like hashtag good for the sport and good for the, the lap count subscribers, <laughs> um, but just like exciting and fun to, to see, you know, all your, you know, Australia being like a high jump nation, you know, it's, it's great to have those kind of attachments that, that countries can really root for, um, their favorites year in, year out, and, and learn the events and get to be passionate about the events and bring attention to, um, you know, the, the field events that, that don't get that attention all the time year round. Absolutely. Let me not drive Matt crazy. I think it's time we move on to it's, distance. It's time that we let Jasmine go celebrate a wonderful I'm nine about days to go together. Get lit. It's been so great. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in. I got to go get drunk and then catch a flight in the morning. Wait, and, and I will also say uh, as Jasmine is, is walking off, you know, we have to, since Chris is, is oh God. Or <laughs> uh, um, Mac, Mac is dying. I will very quickly say Jasmine's expertise and, and, dedication to just like keeping all of us honest in these events her like so expert level in-depth knowledge that we frankly don't have has been just like such a value add so cheers to jasmine Thank you. and speaking of value add we're getting into some endurance events so we're bringing in the champion the, the world athletics 6k 5.8k 5.8 to 6-ish k champion update the medal tables. Ireland's got one gold on the board. David McCarthy. Hey, how are we? I'm I'm a little bit shook up after the race, to be honest. Yeah. <clears throat> Have that bit of tempo, Tommy. <laughs> yeah. It was warm. It was warm. Midday running, 35 degrees here. You um, had to go through the mix zone. Yeah. You had to do drug testing. I got my little bit of threshold work in afterwards, which was good. Just keep the volume up <laughs> was, for the week. Was Nordas doing like a pre-final threshold with you or was it solo? Um, no, we said we'd uh, we'd work away by ourselves today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we started the evening off with a men's 5K. Yeah. What was, you know, we'll, we'll sort of get to the results as we go. But as the race played out, there was some there was some really interesting... Yeah. dynamics going on. You want to walk us through what your impressions were? Yeah, it was a really exciting race to watch, to be honest. Um, they started off slow, um, and then the Kenyan, it wasn't, was it Krupp? No, it was Kipruri. Kipruri, yeah. Absolutely surged to the front. He probably put about, what was it? It was about maybe 800 meters in? Or, yeah, just yeah. like a really decisive, yeah. hard move. Was like, which was great much to see. Too slow. Which was great to see. And he probably put about 50 meters on the field. Um and it, like, you know, nobody was responding. Um, and had he kept going, you would kind of wonder, like, you know, is he going to extend this? Who, and in that moment, everyone in the field is like, like, we don't want to let him to go too far ahead, but I do not want to be the rabbit here pulling him back in. Um, so they eventually brought him back in. Um, and then the race started to get going. Uh, it was Gebruette, I think, went to the front as well and started started pushing on the pace. Um, Arogawi took over the lead at times. I think Crop came through as well, um, and the pace got rolling a bit. What I did notice about this race was there was a lot of people yo-yoing up and down through the field. Yes, a lot. And if there's something I have noticed about this championships is that kills your speed in the last lap. Especially and in the heat. In the heat, yeah, yeah, 100%. 
And these races have been won in the last lap, in the last 200, in the last 100 meters. Jakob um, sat in the whole way, you know, had a smooth ride. The inside opened up for him many times and he just came up along, wasted no en- energy. Um, and uh, yeah, he just covered the moves, covered the moves. Um, it got to like, you know, into the last K, you know, the the the, the pace started winding. Who was up front quite a, a, a fair bit was Luis Garvala. Um, just a painful fourth fa- again. Yeah, and fair play to him because like he was up at the front sort of, not necessarily leading, but he was up there like on his pace the whole way. Um, and when the pace got going, he held on well. He made a little mistake, I feel, was it going into the last lap? I don't know what he did, but he pulled out and he let Jakob right up the inside of him. Right, you know, I, just, you know, maybe just a kind of a moment of like, you know, maybe he was pulling out to think he might go wider. But Jakob got lucky, came up the inside. Um, and I think Jakob looked like he was racing today, like he was just... He was just being cautious. He wasn't doing his usual, like, even in Eugene last year where we saw, like, he kind of took it on again with that last K. Um, he just covered the moves. Bell went, Moketeer, put it down. Actually, I think from 600 to 200 to go, they ran a 54. It was moving. Yeah, and um, and so Katir was moving, and I just think he probably went a little bit hard too soon. Um, and Jakob... Again, Jakob, like, what is amazing about watching him race is he doesn't make moves out of panic. You know, he really doesn't make moves. And sometimes you're watching him and it's like, oh, maybe he's just kind of letting go of it today or maybe he's not on it. But he's just patient and he pulls it back in, um, down the back straight. Going into the last lap, he was in uh, fourth, fifth maybe, down the back straight. He was still in about fourth. The inside was opening up for him the whole time. And uh, with 200 to go, Katir was gone and Jakob just starts clawing him back, clawing him back and catches him in the last sort of, what, 40 metres or so. Jakob ran 150 for his last 800. Um, I was delighted to see him get the win. Um, Would have won the media 800. Yeah. yeah <laughs> well, I, I think that with a lap to go, it became very obvious there were two guys who could potentially win this race. Yeah. It was Jakob or Katir. Yeah. Because a race that's won in 13-11 yeah. is just setting up for these guys who yeah. have 1,500 speed of a different level. Yeah. Katir, we've seen him many times before try to push from super far out. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I liked about Jakob in the 5,000, and I almost wish that he could bring with him to the 1,500, is that lack of urgency. Yeah. In the 1500, he has this need to feel like he has to do the work mm-hmm. and he's got to be the one to wind it up. In the 5000, he has none of that. And yeah. He has no problem waiting. He knows that he has enough speed to control the race in the, the last lap. And because of that, I think the thing that separates him and makes him such a good runner is that he's so calm about it. And then in championship 1500s, that sort of disappears. Yeah. And you think back to the Olympics and the way he raced that, and it looks much different to the 1500 this year and the 1500 last year and it much more closely resembles the 5000 in the past two years i think he cares more about the 1500 right it's like it's his he he even said it like earlier this year in a post-race interview like he hates the 5k you know like but because of that like he kind of just like you know he goes in oh well, whatever if i get but like the 1500 is his baby um now to be fair to him like look he's not a guy who usually he doesn't crumble under pressure but at the same time like you said probably could just be a little bit more relaxed um a post-race uh interview in norwegian that was translated um he wasn't feeling great today in the warm-up like he said he felt awful on it so you know let's assume he was under the weather at these championships which is you know it's more than possible um you know he, he did well, like, you know, it took, it took like, it took a, a Josh Kerr to, to take him off his throne, um, you know, and he came back and he did in the 5K, where I thought the 5K was going to be a way bigger challenge for him. Like, it's amazing, like, you know, you watch these guys, you watch um, Aragawi, you watch Gebruit, you watch Moketeer, you watch Kajelka, all around 12, like around 12.40 this season. And he can still just, like, you know, you know nail it to them over the last... Um, the last, uh, you know, two laps, last lap. But again, it just goes to show like Diamond Leagues and uh, Championship Racing are completely different. Um, little bit, I was expecting a little bit more from Abdi Noir 
in the 5K. I just felt like the form he was showing this season, um, he didn't look like he was in it. Um, and again, the two people who didn't make the moves in the race were Moketeer and Jakob. They were just smooth the whole way. Even the Ethiopians, Gebruet, Aragawi, they were up the front. The two Kenyans were up the front, exchanging lead, pushing. And um, we saw it in the 1500, Josh Kerr, smooth running. We saw it with uh, Inge Britson tonight, Moketeer. We saw it with Arop, Arop, Crop, 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 yeah, in the, in the 800. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about the bronze medalist. Arup in the... Arup, yeah, yeah. The smooth running, um, saving, like being conscious about saving that power um, for the last um, the last lap, the last 200 has worked. And we see with the Norwegians, even Nordis was saying in his interview afterwards, and we've seen it the whole time when Jakob runs. He doesn't sprint off the line like everyone else. He takes his time, he comes around, and Nordis... And there is like... I mean, there is, a, you know, you can see the sense in that, like, you know, at the pace, they're running 1500s, right? Like 330 pace. And if you're surging at that pace, you are going to be spiking lactic. And these guys are really just, they're really dialed into like, how, like we know it in their training, you know, they're dialed in to the, to the, to the, like one percenters, but they're really breaking down like how their energy consumption is in a race and, I think they're onto something there. I like, you know what? I, I think back to to my racing, and I think I wish I did. I wish I was smarter back in the day because not this morning now, not this morning though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was sitting in feeling good, and like it's a thing. Like I just remember back in the day, like when it came to like kicking the last lap and stuff like that, the last hundred. I look back in a lot of my races and the tension, tightness in the body. Um, and you know, I think you know when you're relaxed and smoother, you're you're. Uh, uh, a relaxed runner is a fast runner, and that goes to sprinting. I find even in workouts, like if I'm doing fast stuff at the end of a workout, 200s or something like that, oftentimes my second to last 200 is faster than my last one because the last one I'm, I'm trying too hard, you know? And before we sort of, you know, move on from it, one thing that, that both Jakob's win tonight and, and Faith's win last night makes me think of is like we have a very specific, I feel like, selective memory when it comes to uh, some of the way we think about track and field. And, you know, in the sort of Mo Farah era, Kenanisa Bekele era, we think of the 5K as like the 10K, 5K. Like the guy who wins the 10K is going to win the 5K. That's the double, you know, mm. the same way that it's the 100, 200. And it's like almost like we've totally forgotten like the Bernard Lagats and <laughs> El Garouges of the world. Yeah. Like, and I, I guess the question I, I pose for the, for the middle distance runners on either side of me is like, is the 5K a middle distance event? Well, the, when you come to the championships in late August, the weather oftentimes sets up to be for a 1,500 runner. Look at Faith's race. Look at this race tonight. You're running 30 seconds slower than a lot of Diamond League races were earlier this season, both from the circumstances of having rabbits and the weather. Mm -hmm. And so who's that going to benefit? It's going to benefit the 1,500 yeah. runners time and time again. And so I, I do think if this was a time trial situation and we're just seeing how fast can someone run when it's 60 degrees out and perfect conditions and lights and everything, it's a very different setup than we would get when there's none of that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, the 5,000 is the way, when, the way it's ran. Like we don't, we're not seeing 5,000s at Worlds or Olympics being won in like 1240. You know, it's it's a standard race like tonight, <clears throat> and that is going to benefit as you know as a, a fifteen hundred meter runner that has strength, um, and it's always coming down to the to the last step. But like you know, but then like look at check the guy how hard he closed as well, <clears throat> and I it, you know so it's that, and then it's also how you manage the energy in the race. You know, Mo Farah was we look at Mo Farah like you know he was smooth. You know he didn't get involved. He did the same thing. He was always out the back. He was always the last person. He was last in all the races, just jogging along, grabbing the water, grabbing the sponges, and then he'd come to the front with 600 to go, and he'd just control it and smooth running. And it, oh, go. I, I was just going to say the fact that the – I've now mind-blanked. You go. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you know, so we talked about some of the Diamond League races and these – we saw a lot of really close finishes in Diamond Leagues earlier this season. A lot of races being decided by, you know, tenths or mm -hmm. even hundredths of a second. And then the race for third in this race, six guys between 13-12-2 and 13-12-9 or something like that, 
you know, and a lot of those guys were kind of those, those diamond league circuit guys who've raced a lot of each other. You know, it's clear that there's aside from the guys that can run 327, 328 in the 1500, um, there's a real parody in the, the 5k beyond that. And, and it's interesting to see because it does make you think that all it's, you know, there's a lot of guys vying to jump from that third place to that first place. Mm. And of those six guys going for that third spot, you know, the odds that one of them elevates between this time now and I guess, I, don't, I guess on this podcast, I'm like the Paris guy, but like, you know, and this time next year, you know, that, that finds that, you know, right combination of speed work and strength and whatever it is that, that gives them that ability to kick with the 1500 guys, you know, it, it's, it's the law of large numbers, if nothing else, makes me think that, that one of those guys is going to figure out the formula. Well, isn't it interesting how much things change in a short period of time? Like last year, Luis finished fourth, and it was huge. We're mm. so happy and excited for him. He's so happy and excited. This year, he comes in wanting a medal, finishes fourth, and is not satisfied in any way. It's like how quickly that perception changes. And then even within this week itself, like admittedly in the 1500, I was rooting for someone to upset Jakob because mm. I thought it was the most interesting thing that could happen. Yeah. And now tonight I found myself rooting for Jakob, mm. having witnessed his disappointment, yeah. oh, you know, a few days ago, it was that redemption story. And it's just like how quickly your perception of races and like the current point in time that you're watching it changes that viewing experience. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, and just touching off that, like, I think, that's what I was most interested to see about Jakob. Like, it wasn't just a repeat of last year. The loss this year was far more of a sting for Jakob than last year. You know, losing the same way, losing to a, a, a Brit. Like, you know, like I, I was wondering, like, God, like, would, would that really, like, emotionally get to him and he'd be really down on his energy? So to come back and, you know, on top of potentially being sick, but uh, yeah, no, like Dave, what you're saying there, Jakob was first in 13-11 and uh, 8 was 13-12. So <laughs> close. You know, and like, you know, going back to Louise, like, you know, he looked so good tonight, I thought. He looked so easy. He was covering moves. Um, I, I do think there's a, there's a championship medal for him um, down the road. But I, 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 like just from, from my observation of this championships, it's tactics. It's, it's 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 efficiency that's that's i think what it's coming down to speaking of efficiency this morning we sat down here for two and a half hours and we watched the marathon great morning second time in a row to be able to see how the athletes deal with 26.2 miles back and forth over the bridge u-turns in the heat and i thought that the women's race was exciting, but I felt like the men's had a little bit more drama in that second half just because athletes were falling yeah. all over the yeah. place. Yeah. Physically <laughs> falling, not falling off the pace, yeah. But ultimately, Victor Kaplingat from Uganda came out, pulled off the win, and the exciting thing about Victor, I think, or just like the fun fact, is in addition to being Jacob Kiplimo's brother, who unfortunately had was a, a late scratch to the championships this year due to injury. Someone who should have potentially been contending in that 5,000 and would have thrown a real wrench in things because he and Jakob had battles on the track before. Uh, so brothers. But Victor is the 2017 world mountain running champion and still relatively newish to the marathon, only a couple of years, but handled the heat great and just ultimately like was able to run it in a little bit and, and you know, we had some falls behind him, some great battles for second and third as Teferi from Israel was one of the guys who went down hard at some point, I believe at a water station, but got up and just like ate up ground. And there were so many lead changes there. I guess that isn't that like what you hope for in a world championship is just some real tactical racing, changes of pace, changes of leaders and just complete wild card situations happening that you don't get in a closed course. And and not knowing what's going to happen, right? Like we, there was definitely some unpredictable elements of the women's marathon. But at the end of the day, the the woman with the fastest PB won the gold medal. You know, and and having a field that was maybe more sort of evenly matched, there weren't sort of these big name favorites. Um, you know, sitting at the top really made for an unpredictable um, and exciting uh, couple hours. The other thing I would say is that, you know, we talked about this with India, but like. Uganda has entered the chat in a big way. You know, it's not just uh, Joshua Cheptegei anymore. Like, the, uh, and we 
they picked up a couple medals in the marathon uh, in 2012 and 2013. But it's great to see, you know, this like fantastic uh, emergence of Uganda as like a, a distance powerhouse on par with Ethiopia, on par with Kenya, you know, able to sort of really uh, represent at a wide range of distances. Well, it's kind of like with Chopra, like one guy starts running fast and you see the subsequent. So Kip Rodich a few years ago, Cheptegei. Now you have Kim Plagat, Kip Limo, Kisa. And so it, it is really a powerhouse. I mean, you know, they did great things in World Cross just a few years ago. Uh, the one thing that I think is an interesting proposal what if like every single time we do a world championship or we do an Olympic, it's in the heat, right? Like it's always, always hot, hot. It's so different than winning a Boston or which it might be 80 degrees. It might be 40 degrees, who knows, but definitely different than in New York, which barring this let like minus this last year is often quite chilly. Would the would worlds or would the marathon ever be interesting in like the winter Olympics? Like if we mixed it up a little and said like, hey, we're going to make this cold. Like we were speaking here with Kira D'Amato today and she said, I would much rather run in the absolute freezing cold than ever running in the heat that she had to yesterday. I mean, you know, first of all, like put cross country in the Winter Olympics. That's what I would love to see. But I would also say like, it's interesting. It's great and awesome. Like it was such a great experience to to have the World Championship Marathon in the heart of Budapest as, as, you know, very integrated with... Um, the rest of the, you know, track and field championships kind of similar with the race walks. But at the same time, there's no real reason why the marathon, which can be, you know, part of the world athletics championships, road running championships. We saw this with the 10 K at us championships. Like they're like, we're just going to move it last year to, to the pre-classic and um, you know, either putting it in a different location or putting it at a different time of year um, would be an interesting kind of test of exactly what you're saying of maybe, um, you know, maybe it's just, it's in Budapest, but it's in November yeah. um, or it's the same weekend, but it's in Norway, you know, yeah. <laughs> like I, you could experiment with different things. And like, I think if we're, if we're fans of anything uh, in, in the, you know, City of Smack family, it's like encouraging the sort of, you know, power brokers of track and field to just mm. like get out of their comfort zone and, and just try something. If it doesn't work, go back to what we did before, mm. you know, I'm not sold on it. I'm just throwing the idea. No, I, I just, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not a fan of the marathon in these conditions at all. Like it just, it's so limiting. It's so limiting for certain athletes. Like it's so hot out there. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's really brutal. You know? And like you, you know, where you look at Olympics or Tokyo, you know, you look at Doha, there was carnage, Brazil, like Rio, like Beijing, you just yeah, no back Beijing, every, every like it's, it's just so like hot. and like, but and we're also not seeing the best marathon runners in the world come to these championships. So like, That's what I think it comes down, yeah, to, right? and like I think like like having it separate, like having the world half marathon, and like it's another then chance to have a major event at another stage in the year. Um, when we're in the proper, uh, again. This is the classic Sidious Mag Live. Correct me if I'm wrong in the chat. But I think when we're in the proper cycle, World Cross is even years, right? And World Championships are odd years. Yeah, because it wasn't this year. So, oh no. So, in a way, like part of it would almost make more sense in terms of the type of athletes that it would attract. Like, World Cross is usually in January, February. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, have sort of a a standing January, February date that, that sort of integrates with this sort of fall spring marathon cycle but in even years it's world cross in odd years it's the world marathon championship oh, no bad ideas and uh, what the reason why it all comes down to it is because tonight at the track was so fun to have it in like a little bit of a condensed window with no morning session just the marathon yeah. but the going to the track tonight was really fun it was yeah. it, it, you know maybe it was just because we were slightly less sweaty because we weren't out there for four hours we we're only out there for a couple but Tonight was what I would say was maybe one of the most hyped up races of the entire championships. And that was the women's 800 because the the potential and the conversation around this was fascinating because you have three athletes from three different corners of the world. A thing, Mo, the defending, you know, champion of champions, but Mary Mora absolutely showing 
unbelievable form all season. She had taken down the third potential contender in Kelly Hodgkinson, who had run 155 earlier in the season, looking unbelievably effortless. All of them coming in, and it it just being a roll of the die who had it on the best day. Did it deliver everything that you would have hoped? Yeah, definitely. Um, like a thing got after it, like straight away. Like I was, you know, watching her run. All I was thinking was almost like Rhodesia, you know, just taking it on there. Um, it was brave. Um, fifty six seconds. Fifty six seconds through four hundred. And then she looked like she was opening up again a bit she down the did, back straight, yeah. you know. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I, you know, we're going to see something. But no, then just Mary Moore and then and then Gemma Riki looked like she was going to be kind of like coming past Keeley. Um, and then, you know, Mary was straight, you know, strong down the home straight. A thing was slightly fading. And then Keeley got the run up the inside and finished really strong. Um, you know, it was really exciting. It kind of went from looking like it was going to be all a thing and then like it just changed, you know, so very exciting race. Like, you know, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't fault, fault the, the drama in it, um, the excitement in it. Um, Adele Tracy. Yeah, I, another personal best. Like, so she broke, she broke um, the national record in the 1500 here and she broke the 800 record in the, in the semifinal. She did? Did she? Personal best. Personal best. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, because Natoya Gould has like... But so she had a personal best. After getting personal best national record in the 15, three rounds, she PBs in the second round of the 800, and she PBs again in in the final. So I had to correct Chris, because that's how he opened our interview with her. She didn't make the final in the 1500. That was the big drama, because she ran 358 at the national record and didn't make it. Now turns around, runs the 800, makes the final. The the final went fast. I mean, look, Nia Aikens finished sixth and still set a personal best. Raven Rogers had to go against three of the best 800 women of all time, finishes fourth. When looking at the whole season, I would say Mary Mora has had the best year and ultimately deserved to be the world champion, not just today, but the body of work that she had put together and had proved herself as a brilliant racer. Seeing a thing go out and just like try and establish that lead and try to run away from them, it was a bold strategy. It was an exciting strategy, but she could not drop them. Like she tried everything she could. Talking to Keely after the race, she was like, I've never gone out in 50s. I think it was like, it was solidly in the 56s. Like it was 56 oh, I think. Yeah, like 56 one. Um, she was burning up the track, and everyone was just like, all right, like if this is what we're doing, this is what we're doing. And I think I would have preferred to see a thing try to employ something like Marco had in the mm. men's 800, where, hey, everyone's expecting me to go out hard. Yeah. What if I don't? Do you, but do you think, do you think, um, although it appeared to look like confidence, it was actually lack of confidence? It's possible. I mean, like, it's almost like thinking, like, could I scare them off? I think that a thing probably got a little spooked during the semifinals after almost going down and not being super comfortable running in that pack where she thought, hey, if I can just go out and run 154, 155 and just dare anyone to come with me, like, I might just be able to do this thing unchallenged. But going out that hot even if you're in really really good shape mm-hmm. like that's going to take a toll on you because again it wasn't 56 oh 56 one even split like that was 26 one she had to work super hard in order to get to that break first and ultimately paid the price and at the same time you mentioned the semi i think the semi had everything to do with it you know not just psychologically you know typically she's a front runner and and the benefit of being in the front is that you're out of traffic and the big you know, challenge that she had in the semi was that she was in traffic and she got tripped up. Also, she had to do a lot more work than everyone else in that semifinal to get to the final because she got tripped up. And while we think of, you know, the the bar uh, the bar is sky high for a thing in terms of her talent and her ability, like at a certain point she is human. And when you look at what she did, which essentially was run like 700 meters of a fantastic race, like it does say to me that it's entirely possible that just that that little extra bit of gas that you burned in the semifinal to get to the final was just why you didn't have that final 100 meters in the final. 
putting on my like sports psych hat, which I do not have a degree for and am 100% making things up in an amateur and the subject. This is YouTube. That's what this is for. But <laughs> a thing, you know, she's very candid about the fact that this year hadn't been super fun for her and she wasn't loving running in the same way that she had. And there was that possibility that, you know, her coach Bobby Kersey had floated that maybe she wouldn't even come to the world championships. And I really appreciated a thing who's always a brilliant interview and super candid and will tell you exactly as she thinks kind of just like worked this out a little bit and explained it to everyone. And my hope, and it didn't seem like it was there tonight, but my hope is that by finishing third tonight is that she comes back and feels a little bit less pressure and can enjoy running in a way that she did a couple of years ago to, and also maybe a new hunger where it's not as fun to be, the bronze medalist for an entire year. And so comes back, has that motivation and yeah. that desire to chase again. And just with less pressure going into Olympic gear mm-hmm. and can find the love of it in a way that didn't seem to be super present this year. And then just like, obviously freaking kills. I mean, yeah. you want to talk about the goalposts, like the thing Mo is 21 years old. She won three medals and three championships, every professional global championship she's contested, she's medaled in. And that's seen as a massive disappointment, you know, like that's crazy to think that, you know, you know, she's, and she talked about this at USA's and in, in interviews, you know, the, the weight of expectations, like you have to, again, going back to just like at the end of the day, like she's human, like there's it's, and she ran one fifty six today. She's barely raced all season. Like it's so, we're we're used to it because she set the bar so high, but like it's so insane to think that like this twenty one year old who turned pro two years ago, um, who's raced barely at all this season, everyone was like, "There's no way she's gonna lose," and losing to her is running one fifty six and getting bronze. Like that is that is a I mean a, I mean she's making a lot of money to do it, so like you can't feel that bad, but like that's a tough beat, you know, like you're, you're there's nowhere to go but down. you know if she ran short of running the world record tonight, almost anything else is like either you did what we expected you to do or you underperformed. And here's the other big picture thing, and I think every athlete goes through this at some point in their career where you think the world ends if you lose or if you disappoint everyone. What happens is you wake up the next day and your teammates are still there, your coach still there, your family and friends, everyone still loves you and the, the world goes on. And that can be a big burden lifted where you something that a thing has never had to experience before. It's just like, Hey, like people lose. It's fine. Like we've all dealt with it. It's not as fun as winning. And you know, I hope she has a great vacation and let's lose and can be 21. And the next year kills it. I was going to say, this is, this is the absolute best thing that could happen for her going to Paris in terms of, like you said, the expectations are off, you know, the, the, she's still expected to do well, but like she's got this motivation, she's got this, you know, raison d'etre. Like it's no longer just like hand a thing the gold medal. It's like what's going to happen, and that's putting your Vince McMahon hat on. I was like that's, say, this is what Vince would want. Yeah, and, and and someone who like is like you said is like so sweet, so charming, funny. Like people love her, but it's hard you know, in the pro wrestling world, the person who's winning all the time is the person you want to see lose most of all. So it's hard to reconcile those two things of like, how do I root for this person that is like, uh, it just seems like an awesome person, but then also it's like not necessarily exciting to watch them just win and win and win and never be challenged. Like now it's like, I think she's going to have more fans rather than less after tonight, like just pulling for her to to kind of have that rebound story instead. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think it's probably worthwhile, like looking at that, it's such a, a big part of it, right? Same with Jakob, right? The the pressure, like, oh my God, he lost and the dramas around it. Um, and like, that's some tough place to be, but then that's also what goes with being at that level, right? Like yeah. it's, and that's sport, right? But I think sometimes um, looking at it now, like, and having to go through it in order to um, experience it, it's probably also like something, you know, like what I'd be thinking now looking at these championships and looking at athletes, you know, having up and downs is almost like, you know, if you, you were talking with an athlete who is in top form to also talk about, let's see this going wrong here now. 
let's 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 talk about the scenario and let's talk about this is the worst year and like because that's potentially what could happen as well because it's just and you see now like also too like the rise in social media like there's just so much out there um yeah that athletes are feeding into the whole time and it's it's there's a lot more to managing emotionally with the game now um i think it's like you said david i think it's going to be the best thing ever for a thing i think it's going to be like the shackles are off and i think she'll enjoy she definitely didn't look like she was happy coming out into the track there this evening you know she just didn't you know she's like strolling up to the line like the steward guy was like yeah like yeah come on <laughs> you know um and uh and you know same with same same with jacob like you know but that's part of it so i think like you know it's you know for any athletes at any level who are you know winning like that and and coaches it's to um it's to talk about that story of you know when things if things do go wrong and to be able to have a perspective on it before it happens because what's happening to a thing now is something that could happen it could be to keely or it could be to anyone at any stage and to just have these conversations when in your head so when they happen you can kind of recognize it a bit more and i think that's part of the psychological training that goes with the physical training of the sport and i would say you know that to me is a perfect segue to into sort of you know uh, a, a big picture kind of reflection that we've had from this world championships which is that so much of what we do at Sidious and what we are trying to do sort of to the sport is give that space for for athletes to you know kind of show the world who they are and the full person that they are and one of the extremely like weird things about the mix zone is that there's the highs and the lows all happening at once. Like the person who just had the best day of their life walks in two feet ahead of the person who just had the worst day of their life. And that's a really hard thing as somebody who, who, you know, wants to be a storyteller and as, as Kyle always says, a hype man for track and field. Um, that's a really hard thing to manage. And that that's something that we, uh, you know, especially given how many folks in sort of the sidious family are themselves athletes or former athletes, like being able to understand the two sides of that coin. Um, and, and as folks realize, you know, we, we are not here with our fearless leader, Chris Chavez, cause he's in the mix zone getting interviews right now. And, and the other person I think we all owe just like the hugest of shout outs to is Caitlin Hutchinson, who's just been killing it in the mix zone and has just brought such a unique perspective in terms of telling athlete stories and empathizing with them and, you know, giving them the platform to be honest about what they're struggling with or to celebrate in like a really unique way when they have done well. And that that is something, you know, you sort of get those like very standard post-race interviews, whether it's on NBC or whether it's, you know, in the mix zone or in a, in a written format, but being able to have that kind of like, what's that other option of this thing that isn't, as, as we say, like, isn't quite big J journalism, but is this other thing that, that is exciting and new and unique and, and just like really valuable. Um, I think that that is such an important piece of, of the whole ecosystem of what we've tried to do over these last nine days. When you have those moments with, with someone like a thing, you know, part of that is, is the fans and the, the commentators and the people like us who just want to say like, we're not going to, judge or like put our own narrative on this like we want to just give the platform for you to tell your story i mean ultimately i love track and field <laughs> but my god do i need a break from track and field <laughs> after the last nine days that was a lot of track uh it was an incredible world championships super super fun thank you to the athletes who shared their stories with us always fun every night rushing back here from the stadium to have a conversation with you guys, breaking down all the races and just, as you said, be a hype man for the sport, get excited for the next day of competition. Uh, the but, other, you know, while we're doing thank yous, like what you can't, Asics? well, a, you, I'm letting you do the ASICs. I'll just say like, I'll just, you know, I think people tend to like when we like pull back the curtain of like how we do the city thing. And like what you don't see on the YouTube channel, hopefully is like the insane mess of, cords and <laughs> wi-fi connections that mac is dealing with like the absolute glue holding these you know whatever like 40 50 hours of live coverage that we do over nine days just incredible work um anything that you see on the Sidious mag website you're probably only seeing because jasmine fair is putting it there um and and is like totally 
carrying all of our weight in terms of like us making typos or putting up the wrong, uh, the wrong links or, or anything like that. Um, the, you know, Chris, just like keeping us all on the right track. Um, I'm sure I'm going to forget people oh, our photographers. Oh my God. How Ryan much of those boys. guys been killing Ryan me? boys. Um, the <laughs> other, you know, uh, Chris shouted them out last year and I really like appreciated it, but like, Shout out to the base, <laughs> like the city is mag significant others, like especially Sam, who's had to like be in a hotel room with us for the last nine days, but also just your wife at home with Leisha and and all of the the, the support systems. David like, missed a birthday, right? Or no, Johnny's wife's her, his Johnny's oh, Johnny, his wife's Johnny's birthday, birthday was, yeah, was yeah, yesterday, yeah. and he's he, like he, <laughs> Johnny's like <laughs> David's like oh shit. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> um, but no, just Johnny is yeah, yeah. David. David. <laughs> yeah, this is this is our on our you know forty fifth hour of live coverage. We get to you know be a little <laughs> sentimental and, and mushy and just say like, it truly takes a village. Um, and when is the, my wife's birthday yeah, again? Um, it's just it's it's a lot. As Kyle said, like, you're like, you need a break. It's because you're really tired. Like, don't, like, the, I hope these cameras aren't, like, HD because, like, the lines on the lines on the bags under our eyes, it's just not great. But, like, it's it's awesome and fun and we love it, but it's also a lot of work and it also is really hard for a lot of the other people in our lives to put up with. <laughs> um, and it's all possible because of people like ASICs. ASICs. Which is a perfect segue to the final wrap-up. Thank you, everyone, for joining us the last nine days. Incredible, incredible spending time with you through all the world championships, cheering and analyzing and laughing through the whole thing. But most of all, thank you to ASICS for bringing the Sidious Mag team together here in Budapest. Signing out, Kyle Merber, David Melly, David McCarthy, Mac Fleet behind the camera, and Chris Chavez somewhere in the mix zone with Caitlin Hutchinson, Jasmine Todd out at the bars, Jasmine Fur. <laughs> on the laptop johnny and justin taking pictures at closing ceremonies i said kaylin we shout out i said kaylin that's everyone who's here also read our last newsletter (laughs) recap tomorrow morning and and if you like the newsletters share it with your friends because we do them year-round it's it's, i mean it's not daily when it's not worlds but like (laughs) and we're out